what's in a name? Juliet knew the answer to her own rhetorical question. A good name has value. It can even be more influential than what it represents. A solid moniker can do wonders for you and your endeavors, becoming a representation of collective goodwill and trust. But every so often a name, good or bad, might need to be changed. In the music world, this usually happens because of two things, legalities and lineups. In the former example, bands like the Warlocks discovered that there was already a band using that name and became the Grateful Dead. Their example is common here. Also, bands inevitably change members, so when a lineup shifts, especially with founding or key members, their names sometimes change too. One of the groups profiled in this series did just that when they went from Delia Lowe to Teleco. Another less common category here are outfits with former names that were akin to that first or second bowl of porridge that Goldilocks sampled, like the band On a Friday. When they were signed, label execs told them that it would be too confusing when touring on all the other days of the week, so they changed over to Radiohead. Mandolin Orange was a name that essentially fell into that third category. Husband and wife duo Andrew Marlin and Emily France have taken it from small clubs to headlining Red Rocks for a little more than a decade, before deciding that the porridge was just a bit too cold and that their rose would still smell as sweet with a change-up. And like so many of us have experienced, COVID-19 gave them a reset button. Andrew and Emily's life was impacted not only by the lockdown, but even more so with the birth of their daughter Ruby the year before and the tragic loss of Andrew's mother. With a new outlook and time to reflect, they thought back to the time in Andrew's youth when he would visit with friends at their cabin on a small island. It was a place of safety and isolation, and it was called Watch House. Mainly what I wanted to convey with the band name Watch House was just a place in my mind that I like to go to to just get away and have the band name represent this kind of location in your mind that I could invite people to to enjoy us um, and to listen to us and to actually just be silent almost within this musical landscape. And to me, the the name, the uh, Watch House, and the place, the Watch House, is the perfect place for it because you could only get there by boat. You could see the shore, but couldn't get to it you know by swimming there um it's just you just feel very isolated and kind of kind of safe within your own thoughts out there welcome to southern songs and stories i'm your host joe kendrick and this is our episode on watch house Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. 
Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW, at WNCW.org. Coming up, you will hear Andrew and Emily talk about their new album and making music the most honest way they know how. The Venn diagram of Watch House music, which overlaps with both the Stanley Brothers and Pantera, how they have yet to cross the event horizon that could pull them into Nashville, and much more. We spoke ahead of their live session at WNCW, which was engineered and recorded by Studio B engineer Sean Rubin. You will get to hear excerpts from that performance, which includes their bandmates Josh Oliver and Clint Mulliken. It was there that they played a live version of their new song, Better Way, And you heard a bit of the album version of that tune with its dreamy instrumental coda at the beginning of our show. We talk about that song in particular right after my question about whether Andrew and Emily finished their self-titled album Watch House before the lockdown hit in 2020. We had the um, initial tracking of them done, pretty much the whole, all the recording done. And then luckily once we were all locked down, that was just when everything was getting mixed and... Um, working on that kind of thing that's a little more conducive to isolation. Your song Better Way is the video that introduced us to your new album and your new name, Watch House. And lyrically, to me, it seems to be a kind of a direct appeal to someone. And I wonder if that's a, a person that's outside or maybe it's if it's self-referential, the to kind of heed the better angels of our nature, perhaps. Um. So the song was written before we had actually decided to go through with the name change um it's mainly just like you said you know trying to you always have multiple options when it comes time to be social um and i think very often you know our anxieties lead us to be more negative than we should be and this song is kind of just a a plea or push to to yeah tap into that you know the better choice be kind and I think that's always an option, um, and it's never a bad one. So, And I think it was, it was fitting. Um, I mean, this song was written and recorded before, before COVID, before 2020. And I think from what I remember, a lot of the inspiration for the song came from looking specifically at the way people interact on the internet with each other and then 2020 happened and we were all only interacting with each other on the internet and just how I think people are more emboldened to to be mean and forget each other's humanity in that setting um so that's a lot of of what that song is talking about and I think because the song already existed and that sentiment already existed before we even decided to change the band name it 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 really just fell into place and felt like the perfect message to send out into the world as we were communicating to folks hey look we're human we're evolving we are um you know trying to make that kind of space for ourselves and we hope that you will make that space for us too it has a really neat kind of instrumental coda that that is at the tail of the song it reminded me of uh a British musician, Mike Cooper, and something off of his record, Trout Steel in particular, going way, way back, but sort of that avant folk kind of thing. And it seemed like maybe a new wrinkle in your sound. 
Yeah, I think been kind of starting to just think about music in those terms a little more, you know, of just kind of setting an intention more than a, um, like a theme, you know, um, it's kind of, we just named a, named a key. I'm like, okay, now everybody just explore this key and we're not going to like talk about a, a tempo or, you know, changes or anything like that. We're just going to kind of play together and see what happens. And that's, I think that was the first attempt at doing that. And we ended up keeping it because it just felt really fresh and expressive and very emotional. I mean, we all just fell into that moment so easily that uh, it just, we thought it belonged on the record. And especially at the end of that song. I think too, in all of our music, we always strive to leave the space open for interpretation and not have everyone feel like the arrangement is going to be the same every time we're playing a song live. But no matter how much you set that intention, it is really hard um, once you fall into your grooves and you develop your tendencies in a song to to be able to to still truly improvise over and over. And so I think the nice thing about having, I mean, that's obviously the recorded version of that coda, but for us getting to do something like that live now, there's no way to recreate that the same way every time um, when all you have is, is zero framework really. And so I think we really enjoy having something like that exist in one of our songs. To be so unkind Your laughter echoes in my head Leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone I'm reminded Don't forget about the dead If I could go walk with you by my side Would you be so unkind? Bit of Better Way, performed live at WNCW. Upon first hearing the album version of this song, I was intrigued with its meandering, trance-like instrumental, and I wondered how much producer Josh Kaufman had to do with it. Josh Kaufman is a name you might be familiar with, from the vocalist with four-octave range who won season six of The Voice, or the best-selling author of books like The Personal MBA, or perhaps the Josh Kaufman who has worked with the likes of Bob Weir, The National, and Bonnie Light Horseman. It's that last Josh Kaufman that we are talking about here when I asked what his role was in making the album Watch House. I think he was mainly just like an encourager. I mean, we already, we were, we kind of came in wanting to play with these sounds and play with these songs. Um, and he just provided a really great intention from the start, which is, just act like you've never made a record before and allow all of these sounds to happen. And 
And so as soon as, as soon as we all kind of jumped on that bus, I felt like the whole record came together. We actually weren't even intending to make a record. We just went to a lake house and we're just recording to see what these songs could even be. And if, if we even liked working with Josh, you know I mean? It's one thing to hang with somebody at a show and, and really dig their vibe, but another completely different thing to go into a studio with them and, and start exchanging ideas. So, um, but it all just fell into place uh, really easily. I mean, not to say that there wasn't a lot of hard work as well, but um, yeah, I think the sounds and just the whole vibe of the record was just had a, a good foundation from that initial statement from Josh saying like, let's pretend like we've never made a record before. Yeah, a real reset moment. Mm-hmm. So what chapters may have closed with the transition from Mandolin Orange to Watch House? Mainly just the use of Mandolin Orange. <laughs> um, I think I think the idea was to move forward and not not to drop anything, you know? I think just to take everything we've been working on for the past 11, going on 12 years, and you know, kind of reassess, like, how do we feel at the end of uh, more than a decade of touring and playing and making music and just finding, finding kind of where we're at with it and carrying that into the future in the most fresh way possible. Yeah, I agree. I think we are, you know, think of it less as chapters opening and closing and more of just an evolution. And I think it does feel like a really stark moment on the timeline because making this really radical shift but for us in terms of the art we're making and the 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 intentions that we're setting it it just feels like a continuation and a, an opportunity for growth so it sounds like your next chapter isn't as intentional as it is something that you're discovering along the way yeah hopefully yeah. does literature or poetry inform your songwriting because it seems that you always have a deep meaning imparted into so much of your music. Yeah, I mean, Emily and I both read a lot, um, and so doesn't hurt, you know, um, pick up new words and new phrases and new ideas. But uh, for the most part, you know, our music comes from such a personal place, and so a lot of that is, again, you know, with that same intention, just exploring and figuring it out as it goes, and. Um, that's one of my favorite parts about songwriting is it doesn't have to be very specific. I think you can, or at least I've found I can dance around ideas and I can weave in, a, in and out of these phrases. And once you couple that with music, it takes on a completely different meaning um, and just adds depth to everything you're wanting to say. So I think that would probably be the bigger catalyst, uh, less with the literature and more just personal experience. Is there anything about your corner of the South? Y'all are from Orange County, North Carolina, or or maybe more about Southern culture in general that is central to your music, or you think that's in there somewhere? You want to answer that one? It's definitely in there. I think in in all the ways that the places we're from are part of us. I think in 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 ways that we're not even really aware of. I think you know we have a lot of exposure to you know I I guess I think about bluegrass and old time and and that having to do with where we're from but we really know tons of people from all over the world and and country now that are are deeply 
involved in in making and keeping that music alive so that feels less geographically specific to me now I think also living in a in a part of the south where there is a lot of a lot more progressiveness a lot more activism a lot more folks that um that really care about creating change and creating space for everyone and also maintaining this sense of of identity rooted in the South really speaks to us as well. And we like to think that we can go out and and be in the world and be in all the places where we tour and, and help people maybe get a a more well-rounded understanding of, of what the South is and who the people are that live here. Yeah. I would say that you're ambassadors at this point, you're ambassadors of a style of music of, of a lot of roots and acoustic music styles, and you're also representing North Carolina and the South in a lot of ways. Do you have a, a perception or a, or a consciousness of of what that's about? Is do you think about that? Not really. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> um, no, I think I think we just try to go out and and just be the people that we are. And so it's you know it's like Emily said. You can't. I mean, you know, um, can't really separate yourself from where you grew up and the people that raised you. Um, I think especially because we, we still live here, you know, it's not like that was a chapter of our lives that closed when we moved to New York or LA or something. Um, it's, it's just still fully who we are. So we don't have this perspective on it that we might otherwise. Yeah. So you're going to resist the poll to move to Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. It it was eye opening for us during the, um, the last year and a half, how much of our community does live there because we would see everyone out on the road all the time. And we never felt that absence, you know, by not being there. But, but during the last year and a half, we did realize how much we missed our Nashville friends. I think roots music has an event horizon and once you cross it, it's Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen a lot of people cross that horizon. Yeah, yes. well, it's a wonderful supportive scene there. You know, um, there's just a lot of people doing this. And you can go out and have a beer and talk about your job with somebody, which is a really nice thing to be able to do. One, Settled in for the winter The cast in our lives Found a new star And all of our remaining hours We're bundled up tight Placed in our arms Someday We'll be
That's New Star, performed live on WNCW, where our conversation with Andrew Marlin and Emily France continues with my question about the wide variety of styles and influences they and producer Josh Kaufman have been exposed to, including Josh's work on the Day of the Dead compilation, Emily's background in old-time music, and Andrew's early forays into metal. I asked whether they could hear these different styles when they listened to their own music. I don't think it's compartmentalized that way for us. I think I think it's easy when you go back to listen to something. As the person who didn't create it, you can kind of draw all those parallels and draw those comparisons. But for us, I mean, I, we basically just make live records. You know, we just sit and we just perform them. And so what you're hearing is everyone's how they think about music and, and, you know, the notes that feel right to them in those moments. And so a lot of, uh, arranging on the fly. And so because of that, I don't, there's less of a sitting down nitpicking kind of intention set and more of a just feeling out the moment. And so I think for us, it's probably harder to draw those comparisons or maybe we just don't want to. Well, I think all that stuff is definitely there, but I think like Andrew said, when you get so involved with recording a record and going through all the steps and the mixing and the master, and then now all we hear is that as a singular entity and we're less attached maybe to the, the, the things we carried into it on the front end. Yeah. So the Venn diagram with watch house has, you know, Pantera, Grateful Dead, Stanley brothers. That's pretty accurate. I think. Yeah, I think so. I like it. It's neat to realize when when you could kind of go into your background and understand how Emily, like your fiddle playing, informed your coming on board with the mandolin because mm-hmm. you you didn't take mandolin first; you were a guitarist first, and your knowledge and love of metal music seems to inform have informed your playing on an acoustic instrument. Yeah, yeah, I think that just goes back to the conversation we were having about you know, that sense of place when you're out and about, it's just, it just becomes a part of you and it's, it's who you, you know, who we present as the individuals we've become. So yeah, allowing them the most free space we can within ourselves to, you know, present ourselves is what's going on, I guess. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll carry that Venn diagram with us in spirit. So I applaud the transition to, uh, you know, like a, a brand new chapter in your musical life with, with changing over to Watch House. And you may be tired of this question already, but can you tell us about the Watch House and, and how you came to that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I grew up with um, these really close friends of mine who had this little island out. It was like a little little marshy island, you know, that uh, it wasn't much of a a tourist destination but you could get out there by boat and it's like a little hunting cabin yeah it was a little hunting cabin and uh you can only get there by boat and so you you park at the dock and you step on the dock and you do not want to step in the marsh because <laughs> you would just be stuck there forever um but it was just a good getaway you know in a, a place that was that means a lot more to me now than it did then i was you know young and not paying attention to such things as sentimentality and camaraderie you know but uh but I look back on it now and some of the people that took me there Carl and Mary Hill they both passed away pretty recently and just made me think about how how much they influenced me as a young adult and you know 
uh, opening their house up to me and gave me a job when I was 14, you know, um, a lot of history there, but mainly what I wanted to convey with the band name Watch House was just a place in my mind that I like to go to, to just get away and have the band name represent this kind of location in your mind that I could invite people to, to enjoy us, um, and to listen to us and to actually just be silent almost within this musical landscape. And to me, the name, the uh, watch house and the place, the watch house is the perfect place for it because you could only get there by boat. You could see the shore, but couldn't get to it, you know, by swimming there. Um, it's just, you just feel very isolated and kind of, kind of safe within your own thoughts out there. I really liked it when we started talking about that that concept and how it related to our live show as well because we play sets. You, you, I mean, you know what the music sounds like, so it's it, this isn't like performance antics, high-energy stage kind of show at all. So when people are at our shows, we really have to draw them in and bring them into the space with us. And And so thinking of our live performance as sort of a a physical place almost with like a little container around it felt also really fitting you both seem so grounded and and, you know comfortable in your own skin and you've gone pretty far in you know a decade or thereabouts you've gone from playing clubs to being on national tv to playing red rocks is there anything in your sights i mean how do how do you process that are you pinching yourself in certain moments, <laughs> definitely, but uh, you know, I th- I think part of this change for us too was was feeling like we had to sort of retake ownership over when something creative I think exists for that long. Even I mean, there's plenty of bands that have been around way longer than ten years, but for us you know, the growth of it and the evolution of it and and just realizing that we needed to make sure that the creative intentions were still, you know, the foundation of everything we were doing. And so even though, you know, it feels like a huge risk to do something like that, as soon as we started to entertain it, we just knew with total conviction that we needed to do it um, and that any of the reasons to not do it would be the wrong reasons. So... Uh, hopefully we're we're gaining some peace with ourselves in doing that yeah i mean i think at the end of the day too it's like i it's still emily and i getting to travel and play music together and we put together a band of really close friends that we love their playing and we love to just hang out in a van with them too you know so i mean i think the people that are coming to the shows are the people that have latched on to the music and and trust us to make the most honest music we can make and that's what we're always going to strive for. And I think that was another big thing with the name is that we can really call this thing whatever we want to, but it's still going to be the same people making it. And it's still going to be with the same intentions of making the most honest music we can make.
Wrapping up our show with another new song by Watch House. This is Upside Down, performed live at WNCW in Studio B on July 13th, 2021. That's one of several new songs you heard here, which are all available on their self-titled album on Tiptoe Tiger Music. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and might tell someone you know about it. You can follow the series on podcast platforms everywhere. And once you do that, could you take a minute and give us a top rating and for the win, a review? In no time, you will help make all of the topics and artists covered on this series more likely to be found by more people just like you. Mentioning this podcast to a friend in person or on social media is also most appreciated. Southern Songs and Stories is a part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all of the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes of this podcast on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Thanks to Sean Rubin for engineering and recording our session, and thanks also to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, where our former intern Joshua Ming wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. Mm-hmm.